to the Wealth and Purpose podcast, where people who are led by their hearts come to learn the secrets to creating wealth in a way that feels really good and live their purpose fully in the process. I'm your host, Patty Lennon. I'm an ex-type A corporate banker turned intuitive business coach. I'm also a wife, a mom to two preteens, a professor, Girl Scout leader, and well, hey, you get it. Like you, I wear a lot of hats. Whether you're looking for inspiration to get started or strategies to get growing, I am here to help you create abundance in every area of your life and business. Welcome. Hey there. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I think affects all of us. And I will raise my hand and say it definitely affects me. I've gotten a lot better at dealing with it but it still rears its ugly head every once in a while, and that is the compare and despair syndrome. Now, if you've spent any time in the self-help world or personal development or entrepreneurial space, and I'm assuming you have if you're listening to this podcast, then this is probably not the first time you've heard about compare and despair. In fact, probably heard about it so much that you don't want to hear about it anymore. At least that's how I feel about it. So I want to assure you, most of this podcast is really just going to be a story. And the purpose of the story is to help shine a light on a different way to approach this compare and despair. Because what I found is for uh, each of my clients, whether they're a client that's reaching for six figures, a client that's reaching for seven figures, or a client who's already at seven figures and is reaching maybe for something else, more time back in their life or a different structure to their company. No matter where someone is in their entrepreneurial journey, they tend to find themselves in that pit that's created by compare and despair. Now, it's not always about the same things. Typically, people under six figures have a compare and despair situation going on about their sales numbers. And then it might be sales when you're reaching for seven figures, or it might be more influence or fame. And then beyond seven figures, a lot of time it's life balance or parenting or relationships. No matter, the reality is that compare and despair does seem to get all of us at one point or another. And what I want to suggest and where I want to take you in this story is that there's nothing wrong in the root cause of compare and despair. And what I mean by that is we are relational beings and we learn from each other. That's, that is how all evolution has happened, you know, in terms of progress in inventions or success, you know, just on a very structural level to us as humans, as a population, we learn from each other. I do something, I do it well, you watch me, you figure out how to do it maybe a little bit better, or at least do it the way I've figured out how to do it so that it's easier for you and that frees up space and time in your world to maybe create some some ease in some other place. So there's nothing structurally or, or fundamentally wrong with looking at another person and just seeing what they're doing. The problem is when we decide that because they've done something better, faster, or different than us, they've achieved something we want to achieve, that that somehow is a reflection on us. And what happens when that occurs is we've left our soul out of the equation. We've left our soul contract. We've left our unique life journey out of the equation. And so that's what this story is about today. So when I was having my second born, 
she was going to be delivered via a scheduled C-section. Now, that was not really what I wanted. I wanted to have her by natural childbirth, but they gave me a date that I could go up to. And if I didn't go into labor before that date, then they were going to go to a scheduled C. And that was because of the birth of my firstborn. And I'll talk about that in a few minutes. But anyway, we got to that date. She didn't come. And so we scheduled the C-section for the next day or a couple of days later. Anyway, I'm at the hospital. It's the day of the scheduled C. I'm talking to my husband. I'm laying in a, a sort of this like holding room waiting for my spinal, which is the anesthesia they give you when you're going to have a scheduled C-section. I'm pretty calm. I'm pretty good. You know, I've been through the C-section before and it certainly couldn't have been any worse than what it happened the first time. And so it was a couple of minutes past the time that we were supposed to start. And the nurse comes bustling in and says, I'm so sorry for the delay. A mother just got here. She's in labor. My doctor is also her doctor. She just needs to get her prepped or, you know, settled, check on her, and then we'll be good to go. I said, no problem. The nurse walked out the door and it was a big swinging door. The door swung out. And by the time the door swung back in, I heard a baby cry. And it's that newborn cry that's screaming, I'm pissed off that you (laughs) just disturbed the awesome place I was living in five seconds ago. And I was like, wow. So I looked at my husband. I was like, do you think it's that the woman that just came in, her baby? And, And we kind of talked about it for a moment and then moved on. And so a little while later, the the nurse comes back in. She's like, okay, we're all ready for you. And I asked her, that baby that I heard right after you left, was that the woman who just walked, who had just come in in labor? Was that her baby? Did she deliver that quick? And she said, yeah, it was probably five minutes from the time she got into the hospital to the baby being delivered. And I was like, wow. (laughs) And the nurse was laughing with me and said, yeah, you know, everyone's journey is different. For her, she sees lots of them, right? (laughs) So she knows everyone's journey is different. Similar to when I see people's business and we're working on them and, you know, they might be surprised or, you know, look at someone else's success or quick movement and, and be shocked or awed by it. At this point, I've seen so many businesses. It's just a flavor. It's just one of the options to move quickly. And for her, for this nurse, that's what it was. And I was really focused on, you know, being able to hold my daughter, being in the process of about to meet this human that I've been hanging out with for nine months. So I wasn't too focused on the fact that that had happened. But at the moment that I did find out that that was that particular woman and that she had had her baby so quickly, there was a little pang of something that went through me, probably a little jealousy. Well, anyway, I delivered my daughter easily through the scheduled C. And I mean, she's healthy. Both my kids are healthy. It's many years later. And so all in all, you know, everything was fine. And there's nothing for me to be concerned about conceptually. But for years and years and years, (laughs) I struggled with the birth experience I had with my firstborn. And so, um, and that, that particular woman that was having her baby while I was having my daughter, my second born, she kind of shone a light on, you know, my opinions about my own birth experience and 
and you know what I look to as quote unquote success. And it was a completely irrational belief. So anyway, I'm going to take you back to my son's birth. So with my son, I had a natural birth plan. I had, you know, big ideas about how this was going to go. I was going to do everything right. There was going to be no drugs. I was just, you know, I was going to hypnotize myself through the whole thing and bring my firstborn into the world in the most natural way possible. And that was my birth plan. And my birth plan had been discussed with my doctor. And I had a doula to help me with it, as well as many people who loved me. Well, my son's due date came and went, and uh, we were going on two weeks overdue. And at that point, the doctor believed that the baby was measuring over 10 pounds. And so at that point, she felt concerned and felt that we needed to induce. So we got, um, we went to the hospital the next day and started the induction. Well, if you, if you know anything about being induced, you know that it puts you immediately into hard labor. So, you know, the hard labor started and it was okay. I was going and going. I was believing any minute now we were going to start to see some progress, but that didn't happen. That did not happen. I did not dilate a, even a little bit. <laughs> My baby was determined to stay inside me. <laughs> he was not ready to come. And so we get through day one. And at that point, they haven't called the doula because a doula is only required, I guess, or only her contract is to be there for, for up to 24 hours. I believe that's what it was. And so they really just didn't want to call the doula until I was at least at five centimeters because they were concerned that when I would need the doula most, she might have to go home out of fatigue or whatever. You know, that until I was at five centimeters, we were still looking at potentially another 24 hours of labor. So we get through the first day and it's the morning of the second day. And I haven't slept. I haven't eaten. I haven't drank anything. I mean, that's the normal because you're hooked up to the induction chemicals or whatever. And um, they say they're going to, even though I haven't dilated, maybe I'm at like one centimeter, they're going to call the doula and the doula comes and God bless her. She stayed till the end, (laughs) way, way past 24 hours. This is day two. We go through the whole day. Finally, with her help, I decide to get an epidural. So huge shout out to this doula who really was there to support me in my natural birth plan. But she said, you know, realistically, the pain you're in, we're at like hour, whatever it was, 36. You, um, It might be better on you if you have the epidural. It might help you relax enough to allow the process to work. So epidural comes, they give it to me, it fails. I'm telling them I can still feel things. At first, they're questioning me. I, I don't remember if it was the anesthesiologist or the doctors questioning me. I'm like, no, nah, I can feel stuff <laughs> and it hurts. <laughs> so a few hours pass, they give me another epidural. That epidural doesn't work. Now, epidurals are given by placing a large needle in your spine, if you didn't know that. It wasn't even, it wasn't even a drop in the bucket of what I was experiencing. <laughs> there was zero issue with them putting that needle in my spine. I was like, at that point, I was like, please, Lord, give it to me. So the end of day two, they eventually give me an epidural that works and I have some relief from the pain. But, you know, your body knows what's happening, even if 
the pain medicine prevents you from experiencing it consciously. So I am throwing up all the time from the pain, even though I haven't eaten none. So I'm dry heaving, dry heaving. I mean, it is an intense experience, but I am determined to bring this kid into the world as naturally as possible at this point. So we get to day three and we do finally get to the point where I'm pushing and I'm pushing for four hours. And finally, the doula tells me I need to tell the doctors, oh, by at this point, I've gone through five OBGYNs. So I guess they only work shifts of whatever amount of hours. So I'm on my fifth, I think, maybe my third doctor, my fifth nursing rotation. So I've gone through different people. I'm not even with my doctor anymore. She's not even in the hospital. And um, the doula says, you know, they're really trying to respect your birth plan. You've got to tell them that you're ready for a C-section because at this point, my son had lost oxygen, I think four times over the course of those three days. So I do agree to the C-section. And once I'm in the operating room, they actually had to get up to get enough leverage to get my son out of me. They had to be up on the gurney to pull him out because he was like wedged in there. And they made a joke about the fact that he might've been holding on to the sides of my womb. It's pretty much how it felt. (laughs) But anyway, he was born and he was healthy and he was gigantic. And, you know, from a realistic a measure of success in birth, he was born and he was healthy, right? That should have been enough for me. But years and years and years went on and I had an ache in my gut that was so deep that I had failed my son. You know, after he was born, within a week, he became completely colicky. He would cry for five to six hours straight a day. And I was convinced his colic was because of his birth. And then through his life, he's just been a challenging kid. I mean, at this stage, I can laugh because now I know at 14, he's just willful. But I was convinced that all of these behaviors I saw of him when he was little, where he just wouldn't listen, I could take every toy away from him. I could use the one, two, three method. It didn't matter what I did. And I followed those methods to the letter of the law. He just would work around it. He was just that willful. And sitting here now, I can look back and laugh on it and just see that every step of his birth was exactly that. You know, he I was induced. He wasn't ready to come, right? Schedule C, he was still going to make it hard. And that's just been his journey on the planet. And now I can sit back and and because I've healed my own shit around that. I can see that that was just necessary, that the birth, his birth being that way was just part of his life plan in ways that I don't even understand that it had to be hard and messy and difficult coming into this world because for whatever he's got lined up for him, that's just part of his journey. Just the same way that my daughter just didn't go through labor at all and came into the world Peaceful, slept through the night from day one. That was just her journey on the planet. And yet I put so much meaning on it, so much meaning on it. And when I looked over at that woman, the day that my daughter was born, that woman that was able to deliver her baby in five minutes, as if somehow she had, she was magically better than I was. 
at delivering babies, as if this is really what it was. And that is how I felt. Maybe not that labor would take five minutes. It's not that I felt felt that I could do something, but I felt like maybe if I had not agreed to the induction, maybe if I had been more in tune with my body, and then even maybe if I had had more grit, this is something I hear entrepreneurs say about themselves all the time. Maybe if I had more grit, I would have been able to deliver him been able to push past four hours, right? And deliver him naturally. Maybe I would have been able to push harder. These were things I said to myself because I was looking at other people, especially all of the communication that's out there about the right way to birth your child. And I had so much compare and despair, but the the reason I could have that was because I lost track of the fact that the divine is always on our journey with us. And especially with the big things like bringing your business to life or growing your business or really big, bringing a human into the world or guiding other humans through the world or you know anything that, can, that you can feel is spiritually big for you. The divine's there every step of the way. And so whatever's happening is happening for your highest good and for my highest good and for all involved, their highest good. And so if you're doing something right now and it's hard, especially you know, with business, this seems so believable that if I'm struggling at making sales, but you know, this person that started at the same time isn't, somehow they're a better entrepreneur than us. Well, no, that's not the case. Maybe, maybe there's some things you can do to improve. The level of sales in your business. But here's what I found whether it's sales or it's the amount of time you get back in your life or it's accomplishing a project or having influence in the world and growing that influence, whatever it is, if you're stuck and someone else isn't stuck, there's probably stuff you can do. There's actions you can take to change that. But more likely than not, underneath it, is a spiritual shift that needs to take place, that there's a belief system that needs to change and then a spiritual evolution that will actually create the results that you want. It's why I feel so passionate about the work I do. When I work with people, yes, I can bring in all this business strategy and this marketing and sales strategy. And yes, we can definitely talk about how to have a powerful sales conversation, have a powerful offer. But the thing is, If you're not ready to receive the success the divine sending you, or you need to struggle to have the gumption and the resilience that you'll need two years from now, five years from now in your business, then it's time for for you to accept that. And it's time for you to go deep within yourself and find out what is the real message here? What's the real lesson here? What is it that I uniquely need to do shift B? to actually connect with the next thing I want. And maybe the struggle is actually divinely blessed. Now, it doesn't mean it has to feel as bad as it feels, but struggle happens. It really does. And most of the time, when we take our judgment out of it, we'll find that there's a lot of gifts in it. You know, uh, last week, my podcast was about rage and how to deal with rage. The thing is, believe me, if I didn't go through rage, if I didn't have things that made me feel rage, then I wouldn't be able to teach a process I taught last week. And the thing is, 
none of those things that made me feel rage ever felt good in the moment. And I would have wished them away if I could have. But the reality is they brought me many gifts and the gifts are to be able to guide other people. I have had tremendous struggle in my business. It has been incredibly messy getting to the level of success I have today. But it is precisely because of that struggle and precisely because of that mess that when I look someone in the eye and I tell them I've been there, it's the truth. And it's a lot easier to be guided by someone who's been where you are than someone who preaches from the mountaintop. And so I would just encourage you right now, if there's something in your life that is causing compare and despair, someone's got a relationship better than you, um, parenting struggle is not happening for another parent, in your business, wherever it is, let go of that judgment that somehow you're supposed to be somewhere else than where you are, because I promise you it's just not true. And then go to the heart of why compare and despair is happening, which is that you want something else for yourself that you're seeing another person has. And forget the fact that they have it, unless there's something you can learn from them positively. Focus on what that comparison created for you in terms of a dream, a wish, a desire, and focus on going inward and figuring out what is it that you need in this moment to create that desire, to bring that dream to life. And let go of what someone else is doing, except where they can help you or teach you. And along those lines, I'll just say one little thing about that. Social media has a really, a lot of power in triggering us around this compare and despair. And there's a reason for that. A lot of people write posts about their success with the intention of creating that energy of, I want what she has. And so just know if that's what you swallowed when you read something that someone else put out, that there's a chance that that was the intention. And that means you can hand it back to them with the same love and acceptance I'm asking you to have for yourself. Because nothing good comes when we post on social media to make other people feel jealous about who we are or to make them want what we have. I know that that's a whole type of marketing, but it's not healthy and it's not helpful. And so if you want to share your success on social media, I encourage you to do that in every aspect of your life. Just do it from a place of joy and love and appreciation and watch what magic unfolds. I'm going to leave it there. Here's what I want you to know. I promise you there is some part of your life, there is some big part of big, beautiful part of your life that someone else is watching and wishing they had. And you can bless them and share with the world your appreciation for all you've got in your life. And at the same time, you can reach for something bigger and just trust your soul and the divine to guide you there and believe wherever you are is exactly where you're meant to be. Much love. Hey, thanks for listening. And if you know someone who needs to hear this message, please share this podcast with them. And if you're feeling really generous, I'd love for you to leave us a review on your favorite podcast app. It helps us reach many more people. And it fills my heart with so much joy when I hear what you had to say about what you heard. I am cheering for your success. Have an amazing day.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.